The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we, we thank you for your love for us. We ask that you breathe upon us today, Father. Change our lives. Take us higher still. Let the name of Jesus be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So today, we are looking at where are the nine? Where are the nine? Our text is from Luke chapter 17 and read Luke 17 from verse 11 to 19. Luke 17, 11 to 19. It says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He had entered a village there. Ten men with, as he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell on the ground at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? As no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. And Jesus said to them, to the man, stand up and go. Go your way. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you all. And our transition says, we see here um, a cluster of, of ten men that had leprosy. But the key thing is, most of them were Jews, nine were Jews, and one was the Samaritan. The, the significance of this is that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They, they saw the Samaritans as like outcasts. But you see, in this case, the problems they had was common ground. The, the problem they had brought them to their humanity. So the truth is this. Regardless of the skin color or the tribe or the tongue, we all share the same humanity. The same humanity. So when push comes to shove, it doesn't matter if you are a Bibio. It doesn't matter if you are Calabari. It doesn't matter if you are Yoruba. It doesn't matter if you are Nupe. It doesn't matter if you are Igbo. It doesn't matter if you are Shekiri. It doesn't matter if you are Hausa. It doesn't matter. And Jesus did not discriminate. 
Jesus did not discriminate. Jesus did not separate and say, oh, okay, you guys on this side, um, let the Jews come to this side. No, no, no. Just said, go, show yourself to the priest. And they were all healed. An interesting thing was that Jesus, that was all Jesus said. And it, one of, when they were healed, one turned back, seeing he was healed, went back to Jesus and thanked him. And Jesus was saying, were they not nine healed? Sorry, ten healed. Where are the nine? So, Jesus was actually expecting them to come back. He was expecting them to actually come back. So, gratitude is usually not demanded, but it is expected. God may not demand that, oh, you have to come and give testimony, or you have to come and, and, and show gratitude. But he expects that you will. Jesus expected gratitude. And, I mean, if you look at the, the nine, did they do anything wrong? They actually obeyed, you know? So sometimes God wants us to use our initiative And growing up, that's one thing that we're trained to use your initiative. Use your initiative. It's not everything they will tell you. Use your initiative. Elisha said to Elijah said to Elisha, stay here in Jordan. I'm going, stay here in Jericho. I'm going to Jordan. Elisha said, as you live and as your soul lives, where you go, I will go. He used his initiative. So another thing that jumps out at us from this passage of scripture is, is that Jesus accepts worship. Jesus accepts worship. In verse 16, the, the, the scripture says the man came, fell on the ground. Another translation says, and he worshipped him. Jesus accepts worship. He does. He does. Angels don't accept worship. Men don't accept worship. There was a time they wanted to worship Peter and, and, says, and I said, no, 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 we are men like you. Don't worship us. Pastors shouldn't accept worship. Men don't accept worship, but Jesus accepted worship. He accepted worship. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Matthew 9, 1 and 2, it says he entered a set into a ship and he passed over and came to the, into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy on the bed. And seeing his faith, he said unto him, Oh. The one that he went into a city and the people came and they worshipped him. That's the one I'm looking for. The triumphant entry. The triumphant entry when the children were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And he tried to rebuke them. Jesus says, uh, uh, if you stop them, the stones will begin to worship me. Jesus receives worship. Jesus is God. And a time will come where every knee we bow to Jesus. 
Jews, Gentiles, Buddhists, Muslims. Abacha will be there. Margaret Thatcher will be there. Osama Bin Laden will be there. Awolowa will be there. Azikwe will be there. Tafawa Walewa will be there. My grandmother will be there. I will be there. Every knee will bow. Philippians 2.9. Says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So Jesus accepted worship. And when this man came, the, his testimony, in fact, testimony is actually an overflow of a grateful heart. Testimony is an overflow of a grateful heart. When we come to testify, it is actually evidence that we, our heart is overflowing with gratitude. When we come and we say thank you to God. And you see, we thank God for all the great testimonies that were shared today. Glory be to God in the highest. But you see, that six testimonies, going by this ratio, it means times nine has not been shared. Except we are better than they. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, so God is challenging us. Don't just sit there. There's power in testifying. There's power in testifying. You have to. Revelations 19. Revelations 19 from verse 10. It says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. The story of, of David from verse 33. Saul said to David, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can fight against this Philistine. He, he has been a man of war from his youth. But David persisted, and David testified. David said, I have been taking care of my father's sheep. That was his testimony and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb. I just rescue the lamb. I don't kill the lion or the bear. I just want my lamb back. (laughs) But if the lion wants a fight... Or a bear wants a fight. I give it to them. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, I have done this to both lions, plural, and bears. And I will do it to this pagan, uncircumcised Philistine. Then he prophesied. The same God that delivered me from the mouth of the bear, from the mouth of the lion, will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. So, David... Testified and prophesied. When you testify, you enter a place where you can prophesy things, even in your life. That's why you see people prophesying after they testify here. You, you enter a place where you can actually prophesy things and they come to pass. Praise the name of the Lord. So what testimony are you sitting on? One thing you will discover is people that are grateful, they're courageous. You know, they're courageous. People that are really grateful, they don't 
bother about, oh, what would people say about me? Oh, people would say I'm arrogant. Or people would say, it's not about arrogance, it's about God's glory, giving glory to God. They're compassionate. They're kind. People that are grateful, they're gentle. So what we see is that courage, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience flows from a grateful heart. They flow from a grateful heart. The guy was, was courageous to turn back when 10 of you are going in the direction. For him alone to turn back, that's courage. So when, when he got back to Jesus and, and Jesus looked at him and said, look, where are the nine? So, so the question really is this. Where are the nine? Jesus was surprised that only one came back. Where are the nine? And reading this, I mean, it almost will give you a heartbreak that people will just be ungrateful to God. Unbelievable. Where are the nine? So we kind of reasoned. We tried, you know, because if Jesus is looking for something and you are Jesus' boy, you have to help him find the things Jesus is looking for. True or false? If your daddy says, where's my car keys? What do you do? I'm going to look for it. He doesn't need to say you. Go. So when, he, when, when Jesus says, where are the nine? I, I started looking for them. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? So I found them. I'm going to show you. And <laughs> I found them in, in the in the excuses they gave, or what were the things that held them bound? The first one I found, perhaps he listened to the voice of doubt. He listened to the voice, the one that listened to the voice of doubt that, 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 that said, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? What if this thing comes back? Ah, you know, this thing that God has done, hmm, are you sure? You better just wait, though. There are people that they say they want to wait for five years before they give their testimony. They say, Pastor, I want to be sure that the thing will not come back. So you are expecting it. That's what he means. You are expecting it. This man, as soon as he realized, boom, he turned back immediately. The next one we found perhaps, was saying, this is too easy. It's too easy. It must be a coincidence. Have you heard that before? God does something great. You know, you have been praying for it. You have been fasting for it. You have been desirous of it. Then it happens, boom. And you're like, hmm, is it the prayer? This is too easy. This is a coincidence. This is a coincidence. Listen. If God didn't do it, you will still be crying. I'm, I'm knocking. Now he's done it. It's a coincidence. Well, like I say, I love those kind of coincidences. In fact, may those kind of coincidences be happening in my life. Easy miracles. Boom, boom, boom. And this guy didn't come back because he felt it was easy. It's like um, the story I read, a man called Paddy. Paddy had an appointment, a life-changing appointment that would change his financial fortune at a certain time, and he got 
to the area where he was going to have the appointment on time, but he couldn't find a parking space, and time was ticking. Paddy was going to miss his appointment, and if he does, obviously, he knows the implication of that, and he checked every street. There was no parking. Every parking lot was full, and Paddy finally looked up and said to God, God, please, please, parking space for your boy. If I get this parking space, give me a parking space. I will stop drinking. I will follow my wife to church every Sunday till I die. And as soon as Paddy prayed that prayer, boom, he just saw a parking space. He said, God, never mind, I found one. And he packs in it, you know. And many of us sometimes are like Paddy, you know. We we won't make a commitment to God, and the things happen, and we're like, mm, no, 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 no. Do I really? That cannot be. I, I can't be that fast now. I can't be that easy. God, next time I will pray. But this one, I found this parking space. The third guy we found. Do you know what his excuse was? You won't believe it. Too little, too late. He felt, after all the years I have prayed and fasted, how come it is now that I am, time has gone that this miracle is coming? A man said to me, is it at this age that I will be changing diapers? He's been trusting God for fruit of the womb with his wife for decades. Now God has answered the prayer. It shouldn't they rejoice. They should, but it wasn't, it was like, still, still, all my mates, their children are in university. That was what he was saying. Oh, why? How come I'm just getting married when I should have just been with my spouse for X number of years? Now, and like this man, we complain that, oh, it's too little, too late. And it drains our gratitude. The fourth guy we found said, perhaps, that Jesus was just doing his job. After all, he's the one that says he's the miracle worker. Miracle worker that does miracle, why does he need accolades? He's just done his job. You see, and unfortunately, many of us, we take this attitude with our teachers, with Doctors, you know, we don't appreciate them as much. Our parents, sometimes we don't appreciate policemen. <laughs> as much as we should. Why? Because, because we think they are just doing their job. We think they are just doing their job. Why should he, why should he, deserve and um, thanks. God just answered my prayer. What should he be doing anyway? Is that not his job to be answering prayers? What's the big deal? And we have this attitude with, with our parents sometimes. They pay your school. Shouldn't they pay my school fees? I have a roof over my head. After all, I'm in my father's house. And we become so ungrateful. 
And sometimes with our spouses. You know, we don't appreciate our spouses. We feel they're just doing what they should do. Sometimes women don't appreciate their husbands. They're like, okay, it provides, there's roof over my head, okay. There's food on the table, that's his job. And she's angry. Why is she angry? He didn't buy me flowers. And I'm like, flowers? You have a car that's paid for. You, every time you travel, it's paid for. You have a roof over your head. You have food on your table, clothes on your back. And you are angry because you don't have flowers. There's one word for you, ungrateful. Uh, now, now, ladies are like, Pastor, why are you preaching like this now? Why you, don't you want our men to be romantic? Now, listen, listen. Ingratitude has caused more problems than romance has solved in marriages. And the men are clapping, only the men. <laughs> you know? Look, listen, I'm not saying the flowers should not come. That's not the issue. The issue is, look, if you are grateful, really grateful, you, you sleep, you wake up, you, at least you have a husband. And you are really grateful. Your response will change. You will not go into depression because he didn't buy me flowers. Your heart will be filled with gratitude because of all. In fact, I was saying at the ATM service, I mean, sometimes, you know, my wife, you know, she's rubbing my head. She's saying, oh, you take care of us. Oh, you, you make sure that the house is okay. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. You know? Yeah. And, she's, and she goes on and on and on and on. I don't. I go to buy flowers. <laughs> if she needs... There was a time I used to think she, she it was flowers. I used to buy flowers, but I discovered that it's not flowers <laughs> that my wife needs. But the down one, I already know it. <laughs> For some women, you know, African women, some don't like flowers. <laughs> some do. I said some, some, some. Some actually do. Some actually do. But some prefer a lot. Pim, pim. <laughs> I prefer a lot over flower. Shout hallelujah. I prefer flower over a lot. Say amen. <laughs> you see, the people that are saying they prefer flower over a lot, they already have a lot. That's their problem. That's their problem. They, they, it has already been greased. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Appreciation. Oh, he's just doing his job. That should never come out of your mouth. Never. Oh, she, she's just, and sometimes it's us men, we don't appreciate our, our wives. You know, we, we don't because we're like, she's just doing her job. You have your food on time. You are, Houses in order, things are in order. 
she's just doing her job. No, go out and buy her some flowers. On your way back, let there be a lot. <laughs> no, 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 honestly, honestly. You know, because we need to think. I'm grateful for my wife because if not for my wife, I will not be in ministry today. That's the truth. I'm not just saying it because it's good to say. There was one girl I should have married. Should I tell you the gist? Okay. Oh, you people. <laughs> she's a good girl. I mean, she's a good person, you know. But, you know, she just, the stress of ministry, because at the time, I, I, I was a minister, yeah. You know, so I was running vigils. I mean, I was prayer meetings. Ah, and she'd be saying, ah, you're going for vigil again. You know, I didn't get it. She was giving me a sign that all this praying, 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 praying thing. But I didn't, you know, so it didn't work out, you know. And she married a pastor also. Today they are not in ministry. I know why. Because I know her. She, hates, she loves God, though. But you can't come and inconvenience me with the gospel. No, 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 no. God came so that we can be happy. Which woman will allow her husband to be preaching today when it's her birthday? I said, I have to be with God's people. She says, you can go and preach the gospel. Today's my wife's birthday. For <laughs> now, now, listen, most women will say, when you fi- not most, some, when you finish there, you're coming to meet me in this house. She is Jesus that will led uh, useless man. I kid you not. Ah, why am I even saying that? What was I saying? I didn't mean to say it, but I did. So the, the point is that your if you cannot appreciate the people you can see, how can you appreciate a God you cannot see? How? You say, oh, I appreciate the God. But you can't appreciate the people you can see. People that you are, you mean, you are doing life with, you are looking at them, kuro, kuro, you can't appreciate them. What? How can you appreciate the God that you cannot see? So, the, the heart must begin with the people that we do life with must begin with the people that we do life with. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that the first guy we caught it was the voice of doubt. The second one was like it was too easy. The third one was <laughs> too little too late. The fourth one was what? We found the fifth guy. Guess what his issue was? Am I really better off? You know, sometimes we are, we've been, 
with a particular problem for so long that we derive that identity from the, the issues, from the problem. And when God takes away those problems, then we, um, we, 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 we're out of sync, as it were. We don't appreciate what God has done. You know, so we have a, a single um, uh, person that has been single for a long time, gets married, and when they get married, because they're so used to being single, they see doing life and sharing life with somebody else as, as a border. They're like, wait, wait, am, I, am I really better off? And when we feel like that, we can't say thanks. Psalm 89 verse 1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Forever I will sing. And with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness. Thy faithfulness with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So we should, when we are grateful, we don't feel, am I really better off? We open our mouths. And we speak of God's faithfulness. C.S. Lewis um, says this. That if I remained unmoved by grace. It reveals a deficiency in me. If, if, I'm, if there's a work of grace that has happened in my life. And, or in people's lives. And I remain unmoved by it. I'm not brought to, to a place of gratitude. It shows something is wrong with me. There's a work of grace in my home or in your children or in your, and you, you, you think it's not a big deal. Then you need to be delivered and that deliverance will happen even now in Jesus' name. So we see that the first guy we caught <laughs> had the voice of doubt. The second guy too easy. The third guy too little, too late. The fourth guy was saying, Jesus was just doing his job. In fact, I felt like slapping him, but I didn't. The fifth guy says, am I really better off? Guess what? The seventh guy. You are following. The sixth guy, he actually forgot so when I asked him, I said, oh boy, why didn't you come back to Jesus? Ah. I said, you know, go believer. I forgot. I said, you forgot that I forgot. He actually forgot. He actually forgot. He ran back to his family and forgot. There was so much to catch up on. You see, it's easy to forget God. It's, it's very easy to forget God. But you will not forget God. Psalm 137, 5 and 6. Psalm 137, 5 and 6. It says, if I forget you, O Zion, O Jerusalem. Talking about the kingdom of God. Or the things of God. Or the place that God has designated. Let, it says, let my right hand forget out to play the harp. Let my right hand forget his skill. It says, if I forget God, I forget the place of your dwelling, O God of heaven. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. 
if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy, if I don't make God and his dwelling my greatest joy. That is how big the psalmist. Don't forget his benefits. The scriptures we read, Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from destructions, who crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. God doesn't want us to forget. So the physicist guy actually forgot. Guess what? The seventh guy hmm, did not forget. He was actually enjoying life. It was, there was so much to catch up on. All these years of being a leper. You know, I mean, it was just... Having fun. Are you not going to go and thank Jesus? Ah, well, God will wait. I need so much to do. I have so much to do. And... This may sound remote. It sounded remote. It, sound, it still sounds unbelievable to me. But, I mean, I've, I've seen this live in ministry. When people just don't come back to God because of the blessings that God has given them. And they're like, we are, we are enjoying it. You know, I shared this, this, um, the story of a lady that... I'd had an issue of blood for 10 years. And she came to church. It was a god regain service season. And she wanted to see the pastor. And, and she couldn't because she wouldn't see anybody until after this GWDI service. And it was praise chain week. And someone said to her that, you don't need to see the pastor. Just join the praise chain. Let's praise God together. And the first day she joined the praise chain, the very first day, the issue of blood for 10 years stopped. That's a miracle. Nobody prayed for her. No one laid hands on her. No one anointed her. She just entered God's presence. Boom. Done. Before then, she's had three husbands. Each one walked away from her because of this incessant flow. And she was with her fourth husband if I remember correctly. Then we sent, you know, a message to her, like, oh, you know, you need to grow in the things of God. You need to show, give you, your life is the gratitude that you're giving and you're showing to God, you know. And she sent a message back. She says, tell pastor that I'm enjoying my husband now. Tell him that my husband likes his pounded yam. Sunday morning. I couldn't believe it. And that was it. So, the, the men that would walk out of your life <laughs> if you had a problem, and the Jesus that would stay with you and heal you in spite of your problem, and you will choose enjoying your life. Why are you not using your life as a living vessel of gratitude to, to Jesus? Why? Why? Which of these nine guys are you? Are you any of the first six? 
That's the question. Or, like the seventh guy that we caught, you won't believe this guy's issue. He says, he gets enough gratitude as it is. He says, can't you see? Mary Magdalene is always kissing Jesus' feet. Every time. Peter is always railing him. Ah, Augusta, Ranka did it for you. You know, John is always putting his head on his chest. You know, and you know, this guy already has all the attention. Why should I even bother? Why should I bother? And perhaps you are thinking, God already has enough people praising him. Why should I bother? God already has enough people serving him. Why should I bother? You should bother because he, what he did for you, he did for you. Individually. What he did for you, he didn't do for someone else and say, go and be petting. What he did for you, he did for you. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for you. For me. It's just like having four children. Two of them or three of them are responsive to you. You know, they care about you. They, they, you know, they just take care of you as you grow older. And one of them is indifferent and says, well, my parents or my dad or my mom, well, he has three other children that are taking care of, of him. What's my own? How would you feel? Would you not feel bad? You would. And God deserves our worship. So this guy was saying, he already has it. And we do that easily to our teachers. We do that to our doctors. We do that to policemen. They risk their lives for us. Praise the Lord. You know, many of you, you have that smirk on your face when I say policeman. You know, but they do. <clears throat> they do. And of course, many times to pastors. But God is saying to you, I expect you to be the one that will come back. I expect you to be that one that will come back and show gratitude. Why? Because the truth is that Jesus can never have enough gratitude for what he did on the cross of Calvary. He can't. He can't. If you serve God from now till eternity, it's, it's, <laughs> it won't be too much for all Jesus has done for you. Because if you think about it, can we really repay him? We can't. We can't. So we see that when Jesus asked, where are the nine? We have seen eight. Remaining one. The last guy just cared more about what people 
would say than what Jesus would say. So, the, the craving for human acceptance, he craved for what society could say, would acceptance of society was more than the acceptance of God. And that is a big deal for the Jew. It was a big deal. The nine were the Jews. Nine of them were Jews. So, for a Jew, the fact that you have been ill of leprosy, you need to be certified by the priest before the society can accept you. So, if you go back to Jesus, your certification is delayed. So, they wanted the societal acceptance fast, as fast as possible. And didn't bother. If you check Leviticus 14, you will see the whole process of the certification. So, so what, I'm, what are we saying? How, how is this important to us? If you find out that what people would say matters so much to you than pleasing God, you need to get out of that place very quickly. Because you are keeping yourself from God's best. So, every time our craving for men's approval overshadows our craving for Jesus, we miss out on God's best for us. That's just the truth. We do. First Corinthians 4. Paul was saying, as for me, <laughs> it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. It says, it is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So, the approval of the Jewish community is, was nothing to the Samaritans. You know why? Because he was already an outcast. <laughs> so, it, it, it was not a big deal for him. It was a huge deal for the Jews, for the nine Jews, because they were Jews. I mean, they wanted to be accepted back in the society, but Jesus still did not excuse them because they were Jews. He didn't. And many times, the things that hold people back from God's best, from intimacy with Christ, is actually religion. Is religion. They were Jews. They needed to fulfill the religious rites. The people that experience the best of Christ, go and check, are people that really don't care about religion. They are more interested in his heart. They, they really are not interested about religion. So, when God wants to do something or wants to reveal himself in a special way, check, it is not with people that had a religious order or that were right from the beginning. I can give you stories and stories. I'll give you just two to help you. David, classic example. <laughs> it was a result of a of a fling in seeing that my mother conceived me. It was, it was not even in the order of things. 
when they were going for military training, they didn't even send him. But yet, God trained him himself. And he was God's general. Praise the name of the Lord. Even Jesus himself. When Jesus came, he was outside of the religious order. It was outside of religious order. Many times, because we want to align with religious order, we miss out on what God is doing. What is the heart of Jesus? Not what religion says. Because the truth is this. It takes someone that is not burdened and yoked with religion to discern and enjoy the heart of Jesus. This one enjoyed the heart of Jesus. Jesus laid his hands on him. Jesus touched him. He could look at Jesus' eye to eye. The others just went to show themselves. Jesus said to him, you go your way. Your faith has made you whole. The others, they say, were healed. He was made whole. In other words, healed. If the fingers had fallen off, they were healed, they still have missing fingers. Whole means the fingers are falling off. Jesus says, you are whole. What does that mean? The fingers grew back. The others could go and say, oh, we saw Jesus. Oh, we, you know, we, we shouted to him, oh, have mercy upon us. And guess what? He spoke back to us and he told, gave us an instruction. And we were healed. We experienced his power, you know. But he will say, I got close to him. I fell at his feet. He laid his hands on me. I looked into his eyes. I saw his heart. I felt his heart. So where are you? Are you in the nine? Or are you in the one? Where are you? Because Jesus counted. It's huge. When you see a cluster of ten men and they are far off and they are talking to you, it's not likely most people won't count. Most people won't count. Jesus actually counted. One, two, three, four. Because everyone matters to God. Everyone. Everyone. You say, oh, okay, oh, we are 2,000, we are, the church is 3,000 people. You know, why are we counting? Because every life mattered to God. Behind every life is a story. Behind every life is a testimony. Behind every life is a work of grace that Jesus is doing. Jesus counted. Some of us, we need to move away from the nine and come. Come close. Come to the one. Some of us, we are sitting on testimonies that God did an amazing work with you in your life and you are sitting down, you are keeping quiet. That needs to change. Going forward. So, so, oh, but, I, but I'm trying, you know, even though that's not an excuse, if you really understand this, we will actually eliminate anonymous testimonies. Do you know that? If you really understand this. 
But we still allow it just to give people soft landing. And some testimonies are actually very sensitive. So, where are you? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Talk to God about what you've heard. I want to pray with you. If you are here, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me today. Pray with me. Pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. In gratitude to him. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. You're like, Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. Put up your hand over your head and I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. Quickly, that is me. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well over your head. Shoot it up. Keep it up. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. God bless you, my sister over here. God bless you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. There's another brother. There's another hand here. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister right there at the back. God bless you, my brother at the back in that corner. God bless you right here in front. God bless you right there. That is me. God bless you right there. That is me. Just lift up your hand and say, oh, Jesus, I am releasing my life to you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. Another hand over here. God bless you, sir. God bless you. That is me. I'm turning my life over to him. I'm turning my life over to him. I'm turning my life over to him. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray for everyone surrendering to you today. We ask that you breathe upon Everyone, in the name of Jesus, receive this one, so God. Change their lives. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Every one of us, the grace to be grateful children. Not to cover your glory, O God of heaven. But to come back and give you the glory. Give unto us. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. For his kindness and his mercies.